stories from your community. This is the 519 Podcast, part of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network. The town of Amherstburg has been around for more than 200 years. And as we've learned on previous episodes of this podcast, many places with a long and deep history are also entrenched in paranormal activities, and Amherstburg is not immune. We've explored the ghost stories of Texas Road and the Parkhouse Museum located on Dalhousie Street, but just a few houses down from the Parkhouse Museum is another haunted home. On this episode of the 519 Podcast, we learn more about the spooky happenings within the Gordon House, home to tourism Amherstburg, and potentially a few resident ghosts. This episode is hosted by Haley Chang. In the room that we were in, which was very, actually it was that room where we placed the glass, we started doing an SB7 session, and we heard a couple very loud thuds in that room. It was very, you know, boom, boom. Everybody heard that. I thought it was one of our camera women, and it, it wasn't her, it wasn't me, it wasn't Ashley. So it was already a very active uh, night. That was Brandon Chasen, lead investigator of Ontario's Most Haunted. His fascination for hunting down ghosts all started when he was a little kid, watching a TV show called Ghost Trackers that featured other kids exploring and investigating haunted places. So I'm like, man, this is something that I would love to do. Started as a kid, but at that age, I didn't have the uh, the the cojones, if you will, of <laughs> going through with it. So, um, but as as the years went on, I started watching a lot more of the uh, shows that you see in the states. My interest grew a lot more, um, but I never really knew where to start um, up in, until just you know, like I said, five years ago maybe is when I really started to go headstrong with it and uh, learning all about the equipment that's used, where to get it, um, how to use it. And it became like a mini science experiment for me that's going to be lasting, you know, for a lifetime. And I managed to get a couple people involved and got talking and then fast forwarded to now where I've built a crew together and now we're going headfirst into this, uh, this endeavor around Ontario. So that's, Started off as a kid, seeing the TV shows, now to the point now where I'm living my own TV show and doing this, which is, it's awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier with this. We've gone to many places all around Ontario, and it's been a, it's been a very interesting way to, you know, not only tour the province and see what's out there, but also find uh, the little hidden gems of uh, paranormal activity that not a lot of people know about here in the province. Last year, Brandon and his team were given the opportunity to investigate the Gordon House. It all started after Brandon and co-investigator Ashley did a podcast about the haunting of the Park House Museum. So the town of Amherstburg ended up hearing about it. They listened to the podcast. They said they loved it. Then they invited us to go investigate the Park House Museum. Now, that was on the day of something they have called the Uncommon Festival which is a blast. I absolutely love going there every year. It's, it's so much fun. But somebody ended up saying, you know what, we got to get you into the Gordon house. Cause there's a lot of stuff that ends up happening there. And I've never kind of like park house museum. I've never heard of this place before. My mom lives like 500 yards away from the, from the building. I had no idea. So I said, okay, let's, you know, let's set something up for next year and, you know, you know, see where it goes. And that's exactly what we did. 
The Gordon House is the oldest building in Amherstburg, originally built by a Scottish merchant by the name of George Sharp in 1798. It also became home to a general during the War of 1812. It has also been an infirmary, a trading post, and other things before becoming the Amherstburg Tourism Office. The house is fully restored to its original state, featuring a former birthing room and a staircase leading up to bedrooms now turned offices, all in which are said to be haunted. However, none of this was known to Brandon. In fact, Brandon went into the Gordon house completely blind that day. I have a very odd way of doing, uh, of, of conducting these investigations. I like to know as little about a location as possible in terms of its, its history. We, we found out everything we ended up needing to know through our walkthrough interviews. And the reason why I want to end up doing that is because I want to find evidence that basically correlates or corroborates with factual historical people that have lived in this place, who have worked in this place, and basically let our investigation tell the history to us. If we, and if we find something out later on that completely matches up with something that took place back, you know, hundreds of years, whatever it was, that correlates with what we find, you know, it, it brings validity, it brings legitimacy to what we're doing. And so when we went into the Gordon House, we knew absolutely nothing. So to hear a little bit of what goes on there, um, we were shocked. We didn't know we, we didn't know so much had happened there, especially since there was really no written documentation about this place. But before they tackled the ghosts at night, they took a look around the Gordon House while it was still light outside. And even in the daytime where the effects of ghost stories tend to dim a little bit, they were shocked by what they learned. A lot of times when we end up doing our, you know, pre-investigation interviews, nothing happens. But this was a rare, this was a rare occurrence where we started talking with one person. Uh, her name was Ann Rhoda, uh, who works with the tourism department there in Amherstburg. And she, you know, told us that when she first ended up working in the building, there was always something that sounded like was crashing up on the second floor. But she would go upstairs and nobody was there. Nothing was, you know, no evidence of anything crashing or falling or breaking or anything would be found. So that was pretty interesting. We ended up going to another place where she used to end up working, where it felt like people were pacing directly behind her in this little corner of a room. So we're talking about it. And all of a sudden there was knocking from one of the rooms that nobody was in. So I had to stop. And I'm like, like, did you guys hear that? We go into the room, absolutely nobody's there. Now, because we have to go in with a skeptical mind, there is a patio in the area where this, where this window basically looks out onto. So I ended up having to ask Rhoda, did you see anybody there? Did you notice anybody was walking by? Because she was in perfect you know, eyesight of that. And uh, she said, no, there is absolutely no one. We're walking around. I'm trying to knock on every hard surface that I could to try and replicate it. And we found a area that made a very similar knocking sound i'm like okay great this is where i think this knocking ended up coming from it was them kind of telling us hey you know we're here we're hanging out with you guys we're just kind of watching making sure you know you know just watching what you're doing make sure you're not doing anything you're not supposed to this was just the beginning little did brandon and his team know that would be the first of many knocks and communications between them and the ghosts of the gordon house then later on we talked with 
one of the uh, other people who worked with tourism in Amherstburg uh, into a very active room. Apparently there was a story about a member there who's working at a desk and her desk lifted from in front of her and moved five feet over. And apparently there used to be a bedroom setting that was in this room. And the desk was where the bed supposedly used to be. So I'm, so she was under the assumption that whoever was there or whatever was there did not like the desk there because that's where they slept. So they decided to take matters into their own hands and move it. So I, you know, I like to use a little bit of provocation in my uh, investigations. So because of what we experienced earlier downstairs, I'm going to say, okay, let's try a little bit of an experiment here. I end up using a method of communication through, you know, knocking or having me do something, see if they can replicate it. I say, I'm going to end up making a knocking noise or I'm going to make a knock. Can you make a knock in return so I know you're there? And before I even go to end up knocking on the windowsill that I was next to, there was a knock from nobody that was in that room in an area where nobody was standing. And to me, that even though I didn't knock first, that symbolizes an intelligent response. They knew what I was saying. They knew what I wanted from them. They just got a head start on it before I was able to end up getting a knock. Brandon says that this is the work of an intelligent spirit and that it's the most common type of haunting that you would find in any location. There's two types of, uh, of hauntings. One is a residual haunting where basically what that means is it is a moment in history that is playing itself over and over and over again. Um, at the exact same time, almost uh, very close to the day of when something happens. It's like if you end up taking, uh, if, if you have a white shirt like what I'm wearing and you put a little barbecue sauce on there, there's a stain that's not going to end up getting out. The event that may have taken place in the past could have been so significant or so strong, it would have ended up leaving a stain on that property or on that location. An intelligent haunting is where you, it's kind of like you and I talking right now. Some, we, we can be investigating a place or even people who don't investigate places and are just living somewhere. They can see people looking at them, making intelligent eye contact with them or items in their home are being you know knocked over or people are hearing voices doors closed, you know, that sort of stuff is poltergeist activity, but it's also intelligent haunting because they are interacting with the physical world. They know what is happening. They are smart. They have a consciousness. They know what to do to grab the living person's attention. And grab their attention it did. Over the course of their nighttime investigation, this intellectual ghost not only spoke to Brandon and his team and made knocking noises, but also physically touched them. One of the first parts of the investigation entailed Brandon sitting in the room where the desk moved on its own, alone. 30 minutes, nothing but a night vision. Or actually, I just used my phone camera, but I wasn't allowed to use uh, the light on it or anything. Just had a digital recorder going. That area started to get really, you know, that the environment started to thicken up in that area, which was, uh, which was very bizarre. Now, I didn't know if it was because of my nerves. I didn't know if it was me having the preconceived notion of knowing what happened just kind of secretly sneaking into my brain there and i started thinking but then near the end of my time in there there was almost as if we i ended up hearing somebody pacing back and forth in that room and very faintly on the audio in the episode you can hear walking in that room 
Uh, it was a couple footsteps here and there, and you can hear me kind of getting freaked out a little bit. And after that terrifying experience, it was now Ashley's turn. So, <laughs> I have a knack for putting one of my partners, uh, Ashley, into places that she doesn't like being put into. Either, either she gets a really bad vibe from it, or she gets uh, she thinks the area is like really uncomfortable. But I want to put her in there because the way I look at it is fear is a source of energy that our physical bodies are able to end up putting out. Uh, kind of like if you, you know, if you don't end up going, knowing what happened in a room, but there was a massive argument that took place beforehand and you walk in, you can just tell something just happened in there before you were able to know what happened. To me, that's energy that gets put out by humans and, and, you know, whether it be sadness, happiness, uh, argumentative, whatnot. And it's a form of energy. Now, the theory is that spirits use energy in order to end up, you know, making themselves known in order for them to manifest. So I like to use Ashley's fear to our advantage. Uh, The term I uh, coined with her is uh, she's, or to explain her, is she's a conduit. So basically, spirits are able to use her energy in order to amplify their own and make themselves a lot more known and give us, you know, really good evidence. Originally, Ashley refused, especially knowing the history of the room. The story goes that the room used to be a child's bedroom, but the boy ended up dying from pneumonia at a really young age. Many years later, a medium went into the room and saw a child screaming into their face, but no sound was heard. Ashley was not a fan of ghost children, and as she and Brandon bickered about whether she really needed to go into the child's room alone, something happened that no one could have expected. She feels a scratch, like a scratching sensation on her head. Right? She's like, ow, and I'm like, what? And she's like, I feel like I just got scratched. And I asked her to move her hand, and in the exact spot, there was a, a couple tiny little bruise marks on her forehead, which were not there before. Despite that horrifying experience, Ashley gathered her wits and entered the room alone. She was getting, you know, her shirt kind of tugged on a little bit. At some point, it almost as if somebody like kind of like, you know, hit her hard enough in her shoulder where it got a really bad reaction out of her. She starts to feel really uncomfortable. She asks me and my camerawoman Maureen to end up going in. And we look at her back and she's got like a golf ball size red mark on her, her on her shoulder blade, exactly where she ended up getting, uh, getting hurt. Well, not hurt, but where, where she got uh, touched aggressively. As if the scratches and being hit by the ghost wasn't enough, the team decided to enter the room for a third time. I feel like, you know what, this is the hotbed location we need to get back up in there and we need to find out exactly what is going on in there. So we go up, I ask Ashley end up sitting down in this, uh, the exact spot where she was in. When I say she's a conduit where spirits use her energy in order to amplify their own, there are times where you can tell that that's happening because she goes into like, oh, you know, she, she, she zones out essentially. And that's exactly what ended up happening. And I see Ashley like, Put her head up like a dog that just hears the, you know, the milkman come into the front door. Puts her head up, starts looking around like, what? She's like, did you just not hear, did you not just hear your child laughing? And I said, no. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't understand where, like, because I didn't hear it with my own ears. 
Maureen ended up hearing it. She says it was in the corner where we heard the knocking earlier in the day. So on playback, I was absolutely shocked that you were able to hear the child laugh. And it was very, it was very faint. It was kind of whispery. It was, it was like a... That would have sent me out of the house, running away and never looking back. But the Ontario's most haunted team is braver than that. Despite hearing the laughter of a child, they continued to stay in the room. Ashley was kind of like zoning out. I'm like kind of stomping on the ground trying to wake her up out of this zone out she was in. I'm like, what what the hell is going on with you? And she's like, I just feel I'm feeling a lot of pain like on my chest right now. And as soon as she ended up saying that, one of our pieces of equipment ended up going off that indicates a change in electromagnetic energy, which is what spirits are said to use and manifesting themselves. So the fact that we we heard a child laughing, a supposed child that ended up passing away due to pneumatic illness in their system, i.e. chest pains, uh, you know, you know, nausea, all, all this other stuff on a severe level, Ashley feeling she has a she's feeling a pain in her chest, our equipment indicating that something is actually happening. That blew me away as well. So let's do a recap here. The team heard knocks not once, but twice, if not more. Brandon heard pacing in an empty room. Ashley was scratched on two separate occasions. They heard the laughter of a child, and Ashley also felt chest pains similar to what a sick child might have felt. And after all those experiences, the team had no doubt that the Gordon house was seriously haunted. But before ending the night, they concluded their investigation with a little conversation with the ghost they had spent the last few hours with. We had a couple things with our SB7 uh, spirit box where we had some direct intelligent communication when they were answering questions, saying, you know, we want to make sure that nobody ends up following us home, uh, following us once we leave the front door. We need to make sure that they stay where they were. Uh, we had a voice come through and say, yes, like, yes, we are going to stay here. We're not going to be going anywhere. And they kept asking us to please go. You know, you've, you've spent enough time here. And um, the fact that they were actually being really respectful, they're like, go, please. I'm like, that's, that's incredible. So, yeah, in a nutshell, with everything I ended up explaining uh, and, and what, gone, what went on there, it absolutely blew my mind we were able to get that much evidence. It blew my mind that we were able to get physical interactions. It, w- it was an incredible, very active investigation. And that one is going to be probably one of my favorites. That's going to be in my brain for a really long time because of everything that happened. Brandon and his team's experiences lined up with others who have had ghostly encounters in the Gordon house, mainly taking place in the haunted bedroom turned office. But their adventure in the Gordon house was quite an eventful ordeal. A haunting is like a thumbprint in some aspects. Every thumbprint is different, and everybody's going to have their own uh, experiences. But in terms of the magnitude of how much we had experienced, I think it was much more than what other people had uh, had gone through. Um, but because we do it a certain way where we really try and push the envelope a little bit. So from that aspect, uh, I think we experienced more than the average person. And with the history and what we knew of people who lived there, A lot of stuff was very linear, and I was very proud that we were able to do that. Although the spirits made themselves heard the night of Brandon's investigation, so many questions have yet to be answered. 
Was it just the ghost of the sick child? Why is the spirit still lingering in our world? Are there any other ghosts that live there? Who are they and why have they not moved on? These questions will probably remain unanswered for the rest of time. But until then, you can pay them a visit at the Gordon House in Amherstburg. It's a beautiful looking house. You know, it's the head, the tourism headquarters for Amherstburg, which, you know, I was very happy that uh, and thankful that the, the town ended up asking us to come back to investigate this place. Yes, it's got a lot of history. It is a very spooky place at night. But during the day, some of the most amazing people that work for the town of Amherstburg work in that building there. So I would definitely end up suggesting to go in there, say hi and, and learn more about what there is to do there in Amherstburg. This episode of the 519 Podcast was hosted by Haley Cheng. It was produced by Haley Cheng and Patrick Magermans. The 519 Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.